0: Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Don't bury your backstory. Don't bury your backstory. Everybody's got a backstory. Everybody's got some past. Everybody's got a story. I love to hear people's story. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Are you ready to go to the Word of the Lord? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Let's do this. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. The Apostle Paul said, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor feminine, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. They will not be saved. But is anybody thankful? Verse 11, and such were some of you. I know you don't look like it. Well, some of y'all look like it, but most of y'all don't look like it. Some of y'all cleaned up really well. Do not be shocked today by all of our cool outfits. If you want to see cool outfits, just come next Sunday. Ain't nobody can do Easter like Pentecostal folks. We bust out some color coordinations you ain't seen in a while. You might want to bring a booster seat because there's going to be some hats up in here. You might not be able to see over people. But I am so thankful that we cleaned up real good. Such were some of you. But you know what happened to us? But now you're washed. Anybody thankful that you're washed? (laughs) But now you're sanctified. You're cleaned up. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We are not who we used to be. And we used to be people. Now, I, I, know, I know that it's tempting for us to act like that we have never done wrong, and we say stuff like everything's under the blood, but it still happened. Now, God's forgotten it and washed it, but it's still who we used to be. Don't you ever forget who you used to be. You need to remember who you used to be. If there's not a used to be, you're, you're not, something's not right. If tomorrow you don't wake up and you're a different person, something's not right in your walk with God, there is always going to be a used to be with us. We're never going to be perfect. We're going to get up every day and make something else a little bit more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Every day we wake up, we're going to be a little bit closer to the Lord, and there's going to be a little bit more blood washing away, a little bit more sin, things from my past, things I'm trying to overcome. This is the walk with Jesus that every day progresses forward. And I'm so thankful that my testimony is not over yet. And I'm so thankful that your story is not over with with yet. Because we're still going somewhere. How many of you want to build a church here at AFC? Y'all want to build a church? (laughs) Let's, hey, let's build a church. You know what we're going to build it on? Backstories. We're going to build a church off of backstories. Off of stories that we don't want to tell because we want to look all pretty and cute. But the truth is, we've got a backstory. And the backstory gives context to the current place we're at right now. This church has a backstory. This building has a backstory. Everything about us has a backstory that if you don't know the backstory, you don't see the glory of God in action. You truly don't know God until you know the backstory. Everybody say the backstory. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. Lord, help me today. Help us all today receive it. Listen to me. The church is the answer. The church is the answer for the lost world. The church is still the hope of the world. This church, this gathering right now, is the hope of a confused world. I'm going to try to slow down for you, Sister Sarah. Thank you for joining our team in Jesus' name. The nombre de Jesus. People. Are losing their faith in the church like never before. People are not necessarily losing their faith in Jesus because everybody knows Jesus. (laughs) People don't want to go to church anymore. People want to have their own little walk with the Lord and they don't want to belong to a church. They don't want to have a pastor because that's a lot of work and there's a lot of drama. People don't mind saying they're Christian, people don't mind going to heaven. They just, they're just getting a little confused about the church. They're losing their faith in the church because there's a vast difference, and I hope you can say amen to this and so be honest today. In the Bible that you read and the Christians that you meet, one of the worst things the world could ever do is study the Bible because then they'll figure out that we're not exactly like the Bible that we profess to be. One of the scariest things is an atheist who knows the Bible. And oftentimes the atheists do know their Bible. And that's why they're confused. Because they read their Bible and they met millions of Christians and they see us posting on Facebook. And they read our tweets. And they go to our churches. And they read their Bible and then they read the saints. And they read their Bible and they meet the saints and they don't understand what's wrong. Either Jesus is wrong, the Bible is wrong, or the believers are wrong. So we have a great generation that has come up in the last several decades that for the first time in American history, a generation is growing up disconnected from the church house. How many of you know are lots of people who don't go to church? On Sunday when we leave today and you go out to eat, you will see a lot of people, if you're dressed up, you will see a lot of people staring at you like you came from a funeral a wedding or a business deal. My family gets stared at on, in Austin, Texas because we're the most dressed up people in the city on, Austin, on Sundays in Austin. They don't have a clue what we're doing because most people don't go to church these days, especially around here. And why do they not go to church? They don't go to church because there's been a generation that's been raised to doubt church, to doubt what we're doing, to not believe in us. And we like to throw the blame off and say, but we're just human. That's a lie. We are blood-bought, sanctified people of God, and we don't sin, and we live holy, and we live righteous, and we've got to stop saying that we're a bunch of messed up, say, folks. That's not true. You can't be a sinner and go to heaven. That doctrine is erroneous. That doctrine is slipping into churches all over America, all over the world. And if you're sitting here today and you're not right, you're not right with God, you're going to go to hell. It's the truth, y'all. You know it's the truth. If you're over the age of 50, you've heard it. Uh, You know it. Uh, You were raised hearing it. Uh, It's still the truth today. There's a disconnect, a massive disconnect between the Bible and the saints, Bible and the believers. People don't even know the stories in the Bible anymore. You, there is no debating the oneness because people aren't even Trinitarian. There used to be a day where we used to debate people because they would believe there were three gods. And we're like, no, 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 there's one God. And now people are like, I don't even know if there is a God. There is no more debating the word because no one knows the word. When's the last time I talked to Je- about Jesus to somebody and they wanted to quote scriptures with me? It's very rare to find people who even know the Bible anymore. That's where we're at right now in our nation. So people wonder about us. And they wonder if we preach and we teach. and we wonder, They wonder if it still works today. They hear us talking, but they wonder if it still works. We're not trying to convince believers to believe today, ladies and gentlemen. We're trying to convince doubters to believe. Doubters have heard the sales pitches of churches all over America, and the truth is they want to see people live this life. That's the truth, y'all. We talk about how, well, if they would read their Bibles, they read their Bibles. They don't believe it. It is not hard. There are Bibles all over this nation. There are Bibles all over the place. They're in the, 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 the shelf at the hotel. There's Bibles everywhere. The problem is not access to the Word. The problem is, is the validity of the Word. Who is living the Word? Who's living the Word? Here's what they want. Are y'all ready? Here's what they want. People today want to see. People walk in the church dirty and walk out clean. People want to see people walk in sick and leave healed. You you want want to see somebody read their Bible? Let's live it out before them on a Sunday service. They don't believe the Bible. We, We all, that's an easy thing to say. We'll just go read your Bible. You'd have faith. No, they don't believe the Bible. They'll believe us. We have, they want to see people walk in empty and walk out filled. That's what people want to see. The power of the church will always be and has always been in the transformation of its membership. And when you and I change, people believe. All these cool videos this week of, of cool pastors, they look so cool. They've all been on weight loss programs. They've got straight teeth, pearly whites. They're all like, you should join our church this Sunday. Supermodel wives sitting up there like, oh, it's going to be great. Coffee. And all all these sponsored stuff's coming through my Facebook feed. And everybody's bragging about trying to get a crowd, trying to get a crowd. If one dead person came to life one time, you'd have a crowd next weekend. If one person had an eyeball that wasn't there that came back uh, in one moment and word got out, uh, you wouldn't have to get up there with your straight teeth uh, and your pretty outfit saying, come on over to our church this weekend. Guys, we just, we just have to be real. We just got to be the word. We've got to manifest the word of God. You don't have to try hard if you're the real church. People will find you. People will come. Word will spread. I just want to be the real church. And the real church has changed people in it. The real church is a church of change. The power of the church will always be and has always been in the transformation of its members. We cannot be driving forwards trying to sell Chevys. We are the evidence that will precede the investment. People want to come to church after they get to know us. And that's why we try to hurry and get them here before they get to know us. Hi, I'm Kurt. Would you like to come to church? Don't find out if I'm real. And they usually come before they know us. But do they come after they know us? That's the question. The question is, will they come after six months of working with you? That's when you really get someone to come to church because you, you are the credibility of the church. It's no wonder Amazing Grace was written so long ago. It was such a hit. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Your freedom gives bound people hope. And I want to tell someone today who's filled with the Spirit in this place that you are the billboard on the highway. You are the pop-up on the Internet. You're the flyer on the wall, and you're the commercial on the TV. You are the advertising campaign for the world. Now, I know we don't want that. I know it would be cool if we could just let the pastor and pastor's wife be the advertising, but the truth is people are going to hang out with you a whole lot more than going to hang out with us. We can't be everywhere at once. If the church is not healthy, if you're not changing, if you're not a real Christian, then it will hurt church growth. We will never be enough to grow this church. If our leaders are not loyal and faithful, if our leaders are not holy and righteous, if our leaders don't walk in the Holy Ghost, if our membership does not walk in the Holy Ghost, have character of Christ, then we will not be a healthy, growing church. We will not reach this city because the hope of the world is in you right now. And I know you want to say, let's just pass the buck. Let's just let somebody else deal with it. But it's not possible. You are the people that the world will judge to decide. Y'all, they expect us to be, to be perfect. They expect us to never do anything wrong. They look at us, and we up here smile and preach and act like everything's great, and they're like, oh, that's a great church. That's a great church. The Greens, oh, that's a great church. But the truth of a church is sitting right out here before us. And that's why I'm a pastor, not an evangelist. Pastor, if you would just be more of an evangelist, our church would grow. That's not true. I've seen 100 soul revivals, and two people stayed. I've seen 100 people receive the Holy Ghost. At my church growing up, and two people stayed. I don't even know if they're still in church today. That was, they stayed back then. Two percent success rate is not going to cut it. A preacher does not create revival. A preacher is not enough. Family units are the key. Dads, moms, husbands, and wives, people that live for God, people that serve God every day, just people like you, Christian people that live for God. You are the hope of the world. That's why I'm a pastor today, not an evangelist. And that's why you are my business. I'm not going to bypass the members of the church to reach the world. I'm not going to walk right past you with all your problems and situations and say, let me just ignore y'all because I'm done with y'all. Y'all are too difficult and I'm going to go to the world. That's not how this works. I have got to help you as members of the church be a changed person because when you are changed, people believe the Bible. Thank you. Amen. I agree with you. Let's. Let's say amen today. Let's clap. That's good. A church with no transformation has no appeal to a broken and bound world. The power of the church is not in what we tell the world about us. You should come to our church. We're powerful. They come to church. There's no power. You can't preach it and say it if it's not happening. We've got to become it. But it's rather in what the world knows about us. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 2, Paul called members of the Corinthian church epistles or letters and said that you are read and known of all men. Your life is a book. What was that on page 35? Oh, what is this rated? Our life is a book, y'all. You can't hide. You can't hide your everyday life, your words, your faith. God help us, our facial expressions. I have the joy. I'm sorry, but the page I'm on right now says you're going through something. And you can't convince anybody you've got the joy of the Holy Ghost. Maybe down the road there'll be a new page, but right now you are read and known and it's not, you don't have to be a prophet to to figure out what's happening in your life. Y'all, we're an open book. Open book. You cannot hide. It's the truth. People are reading our story right now trying to see if we're real, if we're legit or not. And they see past our suits. And they see past our hairdos. They see past all of the way we worship. They look past all of that. That's, come on, y'all, that's the cover. That's not the content. People don't judge a book by its cover. They're not that dumb. They don't do that anymore. People open it up and they read it and they take a line out of it and they say, that's really who you are. And that's why Paul said, you are being read right now. Whether you like it or not, you're being read all over the world. Everywhere you're around, you're being read. And you say stuff like, don't judge me. We're not. We're reading you. There's a big difference in reading someone and judging someone. You are putting this out there. I'm not having to judge. I don't have to judge whether you're mad whenever you're mad. You're mad. I don't have to judge that because I read it. I read it. So we are living Moving, breathing epistles. But guess what the good news is? Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Take the pen out of your own hand and give it to Jesus so that he can finish you. So he can finish what he started. So he can finish what he began at camp meeting back in 1985. Did you take the pen out of the author's hand? Because he wants to fix. He wants to finish. He wants to edit your life. I'm so glad the Bible says he's the author and the finisher. But to some people, he's just the author, not the finisher. Look what God has done. But don't look at what God is no longer doing. Y'all, we got to have more than a testimony from from 15 years ago. It's not enough, y'all. You know, there's a complaint right now in church that the good old days. No, there's no such thing as good old days. That's a sad way to talk about the church. There should be something happen today in this place uh, that lets us leave here to say our God is still on the throne. The word of God is still real. Everything's fine. Something has to manifest in this service today so that we'll start to believe again. You can't just start, guys. we got to finish. If God began a good work in you years ago, is he, why is he not allowed to finish it? When did we stop growing? When did we stop? We stopped growing when we stopped believing we had a problem. Yeah, you came to church because you had a drug problem. You came to church because you had marriage issues. You came to church because you couldn't stop drinking. But now you just can't stop lying. Or you just can't stop being mean. Or you just can't stop hitting somebody. Or you just can't stop gossiping. We, you see, you did the outside stuff, but now God wants to work on the inside stuff. The hardest part of us. The stuff that nobody sees. You know why I become the church for the outside stuff? Because that's the stuff that we think is the most important. But your drug issues and your cigarettes and all the things you did, how you used to sleep around and all that stuff, that's not near as important to deal with as the internal reasons why you did those things. So right now, with your hairdo and your good suit and everything's good, God's trying to dig some stuff out of me and out of you that's deep inside. Because I have still a author and a finisher in my life. He's not done working on me yet. Is anybody finished? I'm not done. I'm not quit. I'm not finished. This church is not finished. You're not finished. Our leaders are not finished. We're still growing. How dare I or any one of us say, what do you mean I have a problem? I'm perfect. No, 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 no. Take the humility challenge. Every one of us has something to work on. I don't care if you're 95 years old. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. It's a lie from the enemy that says we're finished. No, we're not. He, we're finished when he says, well done, thy good you've been faithful, you've been a servant, uh, well done. That's when we're finished, uh, when he says we're finished. Uh, not when I say I'm finished, uh, not when I feel like I'm finished. Uh, he's the author. He writes my pages. He writes my story. So listen, the Bible's no longer relevant or believable to this generation unless we find a way to make it valid again, and that's going to be we've got to get around people and show them that we are really Christian. You know, you think someone's a Christian until you get around them. Some folks are not Christian, they're quiet. Got to go, about to punch someone. (laughs) You're laughing because you know it's true. Some of y'all, y'all mad right now. If the real you showed up, we would all know the truth. That's why it does not bother me in church when real stuff shows up. Because we we can sense stuff before we even see it manifest. Let's just get it out and get it over with. Let's just deal with it so we can move on. God give us that spirit about us that says it's going to be all right. Let's just deal with it and get it over with. Because the truth is we all got issues. We got something we need to be working on. I do and you do. We have proof to the world. You know what that word is? It's called your testimony. Wow. Help us, Lord, use our testimony. Your testimony verifies the authenticity of the Bible. Well, show me if the Bible's real. Watch me. I was once in sin, I'm no longer in sin. I'm forgiven now like the Bible says. I'm healed like the Bible says. I'm blessed like the Bible says. My life is nothing like it used to be because I obey the Bible. The Bible works. Watch me live. Watch me love. Watch me serve. I am a testimony that God is alive, that the Word is real. And so are you. And so should we all be. The Bible is just no longer, is no longer irrelevant when, when what they read in the pages looks like your life before their eyes. Oh, that, that man just took a hit on his cheek and didn't fight back. That looks like Jesus. Yeah, this life is real, y'all. We can do this. Somebody say we can do this. Somebody say we can be this. Somebody say I'm not done. We can live this life would not have given this to us if we could not do it. The devil is a liar. Somebody say it again. I'm not finished. We're still building. We're still growing. We're still working. We're not finished yet. We'll never be done. I want the world to see us working on us. Start saying this when you're around backslidden people. God's working on me. Start saying this at at the job. Well, God sure is working on me. You know, we say to our friends at work, God needs to work on you. How many people you won to God so far doing it that way? But you know, the best thing you can say is. God's still working on me. Last, well, we had service yesterday it was so good. Uh, you don't understand the things I've been through that God's brought me out of. But I went and prayed on Sunday. And I went down to the altar. And when I got done praying, I felt the joy of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I felt peace uh, come over me. i just going to testify that it's real. It's real. It's real. And God is still working on me. This is how we're going to reach the world. I, I truly believe it is completely my fault when my friends don't believe the Bible is real. So help us, Lord. Help us. Now let's talk about the backstory. You know what every effective testimony has to have for it to be effective? It has to have a backstory, it has to have something dirty. Everybody say dirty. If it was like. Yeah, so when I was raised, I came out of the womb speaking in tongues, and there was angels, and uh, I never made a mistake or anything. I changed my own diapers. It was really an amazing experience, um, and then I became a preacher. I'm a pastor today. Hi, I'm Pastor Green. Just wanted to let you know I can't relate. We We, Pastor, as soon as you get perfect, we'll trust you more. No, that's... That's actually not what you want. That's not even what you need. What you want to see is someone who's still working on themselves. <laughs> because as long as I'm still working on me, I can preach. God needs to work on you, God needs to work on us. There's a backstory, y'all. That's the story before the story. That's the backstory. The bad news that makes the good news good. Uh it's called relevance it gives the story the pop it's where your tears start to come down your eyes when you realize what used to be and what it is now there has to be a backstory for the testimony to work and we are the best at covering up the backstory we are the best at moving on you're truly healed from something when you can talk about it and not be mad anymore you know what I think it is? I think we've buried our backstories because we're not over it yet. But I can talk about some stuff that I've been through. You know why? Because I'm over it. There's some people's names I can mention now because I've forgiven them. I love them, and I'm over it. But we keep things buried, and they cannot become a testimony until they're resurrected. We've got to understand that there are some backstories in your life that you keep buried because you don't want to dig them up and let God get any glory out of them. But we cannot keep our backstories quiet anymore because our backstory gives our testimony complete relevance. It's kind of like like Jesus is God. We all we all believe that, right? Jesus is God. Okay, he healed people, right? Everybody believe in that. Did some really awesome things. He cast out demons, right? Isn't that amazing? He cast out demons. Uh, He came out of the grave alive. We're going to talk about that probably next weekend. But the problem is he's from Nazareth. Everybody heard of Nazareth? Yeah, it's a cool town. Didn't even have a Chick-fil-A or Starbucks or Hobby Lobby. Moment of silence. His dad was Joseph because Joseph's a really unique name. Not common at all. What did your dad do? Oh, he's a carpenter. He's, he built stuff like everybody else in Nazareth. Common name, common trade, common home. Big God. Here's how they said it back then. This was kind of like a little roast they did back in the day. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Those were fighting words back in Jesus' time. That's like, can anything good come out of Bastrop? Hey, y'all, that's, that, I'm offended by that. I came out of Bastrop this morning to get here. But those are like fighting words back in the day. It's like, okay, look, I see the miracles and healings and all that, but can anything good, he's from Nazareth. His dad's Joseph. You know, Joseph's the guy that, the guy that always would trip on the rock in the front yard. <laughs> His dad is a normal guy. Their donkey wouldn't even listen when I was growing up. This is the same guy. This is the guy with the bad backstory. It's what makes it so cool that he was born in a manger. You think that the story of Jesus is all about angels and resurrection, but there had to be a death. There had to be difficulty. There had to be suffering. There had to be pain. There had to be something that didn't work to make the testimony great. Even Jesus had a past. And it was hard for people to believe because when you look at the backstory, <laughs> are you serious? This is the same guy that made all the mistakes. This is the same person who's been on their third marriage. This is the same one who's been hooked on drugs for years. The same one that can't keep a job. This is the same one that doesn't have any friends. This is the same one that grew up a loser and then nothing's going good for him. This is the same one in church. Yes, yeah, the same one. If you knew our backstory. if you knew where we came from, if you knew what we've been through, if you knew how we were raised and abused and hurt, if you knew the stories uh, that we've been through, it would give God uh, all the more glory. It would make the story of Christianity all the more greater. But we cover up our, our back stories. Wow. We act high and mighty. We act like we've never done anything wrong. We act like it's under the blood thirty years ago, like you didn't make a mistake last week. And the world doesn't want to go to church anymore. Because we won't talk about the backstories. Yep. Well, the resurrection looked really good to the backstory of Nazareth. What contrast it produced. So that was Jesus, and some of y'all are like, Well, that's Jesus, so it doesn't matter. Well, Okay, let's talk about let's talk about uh, the apostle Paul for a minute. Let's see if that relates to us as a real human, a man. The apostle Paul was an amazing man of God, but surely surely he was born that way. Surely it was handed to him. No, let's read his own testimony that he gave to Timothy in the word of God. The guy that he was mentoring, he told his own testimony. This great man of God, this apostle told to his guy he was mentoring, his protege, he told him his testimony in 1 Timothy 1 and 12 in his opening remarks to this letter. He said, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he had counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer. It's the only unforgivable sin. Might want to study your Bible a little bit more for you to go around saying that. And a persecutor. And injurious. He wanted to use me in ministry. Blasphemer. He wanted to use me. What? Why you, Paul? You blasphemer. Get out of here with your ministry. We don't trust you. What? You, you, you're a persecutor? You're injurious? You would hurt people. But look, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. Everybody say ignorantly. In unbelief and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus this is a faithful saying verse 15 and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I the Apostle am chief Uh, this is the Apostle Paul standing in his pulpit at church saying guess who the worst sinner is in the church me. How do you grow a church? Maybe be real, honest, maybe be confessional, maybe let everybody know that you, you weren't always like this, that it hasn't been easy for you, that you've made mistakes. The Apostle Paul confessed to the guy he was trying to mentor that I am been, have been the chief of sinners, and yet Jesus wants to use me in ministry. Why? How be it for this cause, verse 16, I obtained mercy. Why? That in me first, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul said when people hear my story, they will believe in him. They won't believe in me because my story is so dirty. My story is so messed up that when you get done hearing my story, you won't think anything great about me, but you will think everything about him. When you testify right about your backstory, the preacher does not get more popular, but Jesus does. The church does. The church grows. The church grows. Tell your story. I love all of it. Let me break it down for you close today. Jesus chose a previous blaspheming Christian killer to be in the ministry, because yes, He killed Christians. What's the worst thing you've done? Let that just settle in right here. Let's, let's get some guilt and condemnation out of this house right now, can we? What's the worst thing you've done? Have you killed a Christian this week? If you have, how many? this guy did it for a living he did it in the name of god he did it as a religion he killed christians y'all so i don't want to hear or feel that spirit that says i've gone too far we reject that spirit in this place right now that says i've made too many mistakes But you don't understand, Pastor, I don't have to understand. Paul was the chief uh, sinner, and he said, Did it happen to me so that you would believe in him? God wants to save the worst of us to get the rest of us. I want to know the worst person in this church. Don't raise your hand. Because there's probably somebody worse. If you can raise your hand, you're probably not the one. I want to know who you are, though. Here's why we're going to get you saved. I'm not scared of you one bit. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've killed. I don't care what you've been through. I'm telling you there's a pattern set in the Word of God. And you don't scare me. You don't scare God. And you're going to be saved in the name of Jesus. You're going to walk on streets of gold one day. You're going to be right with God. And it's going to tell everybody else in the church that there is a God in heaven. And we will believe in Him. We will believe in Jesus when we get to that place with your conversion. We got to stop being afraid of problems in the church. It's a setup for God to be believed on. You got to quit being afraid of the worst among us because God wants to save the worst among us. Don't be afraid one bit when you find out there's a devil in the church because he wants to convert that devil and use him for the kingdom of God. Listen, y'all, I'm no quitter. Bring me somebody tough. Bring me a challenge. Let's do this thing. God didn't send my wife in here to Austin, Texas, so we could just sit back and get run over by the enemy, but we're going to take the challenge. You bring us the worst people of Austin. We'll pray them through the Holy Ghost. We'll baptize them in Jesus' name. We'll cast out every devil inside of them in the name of Jesus, and that will be for a pattern. God, help us create a pattern. Listen to me right now. In the Holy Ghost, some of you are hard to get saved. But when it happens, watch revival break out in this city. Some of you we pray for and we don't even know if you're barely budging. But we will not quit. We will not give up on you. You'll have to quit on us. You tell us when you want to go. You tell us when you're done because we're not leaving. We're not going to quit. We're going to work. We're going to restore. We're going to fast. We're going to pray because God wants to use you and all your backstories for a testimony. I don't care what challenge we're going through right now in this church. We're going to overcome the challenge because there needs to be a testimony rise up out of it. If we never had an issue, there'd never be any glory that goes to God. If there was never a battle, there'd never be any glory that goes to God. If there was never a sickness, there'd never be any glory that goes to God. Nobody would ever believe us if we were perfect. Enough hiding. I'm not afraid of our sins. I am not afraid of our flaws. We've got an answer for all of it. I've got a solution for every one of our problems in this place today. His name is Jesus. I'm not afraid. Come out from among them. Be separate. Expose yourself. Get right with God and let God use your backstories. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. Help us today, Lord. Why did Jesus choose to take a previous blaspheming Christian killer and be in the ministry? Why? He said, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just being stupid. you ever just done something dumb for like 30 years? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'm 50 now. My life's a wreck. I did some dumb stuff, yep. I did a lot of dumb things. I did a thousand dumb things. Did you, did you plan on having a bad life? Is that what you did? You woke up one day and said, you know what? I just think I want to ruin my life. <laughs> oh, look, the devil, let's go worship him. <laughs> you know what you are? Don't take this wrong. You're ignorant, and so have I been. I have done some stupid stuff that I did not mean. I have done some dumb things. And I didn't mean it. And I didn't want to do it. But I have learned, and I am learning, and so are you. Because some of the things that we're battling, most of the things we're battling are just ignorance. Listen. This is how you can still love people in the church when you find out they made a mistake. Because a lot of the things we do, we don't plan on doing. <laughs> they just come out wrong. You ever said something that just came out wrong? Uh, I didn't mean it like that. doesn't matter. I hate you. I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. No, nope, you said it. It was in your heart. You said it. We would love each other a lot better and have a lot more mercy for each other if we understand that it's not intentional. It's just ignorance. And the reason why the worst man in the world got mercy is because he confessed, I didn't really know what I was doing. I want right now in the name of Jesus to release some of you from the guilt and condemnation of decades you've built a life of hurt and tell you in the name of Jesus Christ right now, hear your pastor right now, It's not all you. It's just some ignorance, some lessons that had to be learned, some issues come up. You didn't plan on it. You didn't want it to be the way it is right now. It's okay. It's okay. God can still use you. God still wants to bless you. God still wants to use you in ministry. Stop counting yourself out. You did it in ignorance. It's okay. So you messed up. You said the wrong thing. So you made an enemy. So something happened. But listen, it can be all right uh, because God gives mercy to the ignorant. How do you kill a Christian and say, oops, I didn't didn't know? Because you can be that messed up. You can be that messed up, y'all, to where you can think it's good to kill someone and not even mean it lied to, you're deceived, you're wrong. I really feel the Holy Ghost talking to someone right now. We have got to be able to give mercy and grace like God does. And that is we've got to stop seeing people as going around trying to hurt us all the time, but maybe they're just going through something, right? You know, when I start to talk to people about the problem, is usually there's a root, and it goes way back to something deep inside. And they don't plan on acting the way they're acting. It just comes out that way. God gives mercy to the ignorant. So get up out of that hole. Get up out of that ditch. Uh, Wash yourself off. uh, And let God use you for a pattern. And let the backstory be a testimony so that people will believe again. The Lord told me last night to tell you that God can save anybody if they're honest. And listen, this is very important. You can be honest and ignorant at the same time. You can be honest and ignorant at the same time. You can be an honest person and honestly be wrong. And that's why we still love you. You're not a bad person because you did a bad thing. No? I believe you honestly thought that was the right thing to do at the time. But since then, you've learned, because now you're not ignorant, that that wasn't the best thing to do back then. If you can be honestly wrong, you can get honestly right. Because God can do anything with honesty. So let's just be honest. I was honestly wrong, now I want to be honestly right. Sometimes all you need is a little bit of fresh revelation and your life will turn from Christian killer to Holy Ghost filler. Try to translate that. That was fast, sister, sorry. Fresh revelation, your life can turn from Christian killer to Holy Ghost filler overnight. So here we go. You ready for the end? He said, I consider myself the chief of sinners, and yet Jesus showed mercy on me. He gave me long-suffering for a pattern to them that are coming after me so that they can believe when they watch my life and they see the dirty things I've done and they hear my story and they find out that God should have never used me, but it did anyway, that God can now save anybody in the whole world because God saved me. Listen, I just felt that if you would see how much God has done for you, you would believe that anybody out there could be saved. When you see somebody out there that looks like they're drunk or high or on the edge of the road, and you look at them and go, there's no way God could do it, you just need to look in the mirror sometimes and say, I know my thoughts. I know what I was at. I know how dirty my mind was. And yet Jesus, he saved this old boy Then he can do it for anybody. It'll give you faith for an Austin revival. It'll give you faith for an end time revival. It'll give you faith for people that live in Austin, Texas, that they're crazy sometimes, but God wants to save them. But we need backstories. Can you imagine the first message Paul preached after he stopped murdering Christians? Can you imagine the first time he came to the pulpit after last week he killed someone? Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I'm Paul. Your name is Saul. No, God changed it. <laughs> Whatever, Saul, Murder. I'm changed. I wonder how long it took for them not to be afraid. I wonder how long it took for them to believe they're different. I would love to have seen that altar call. <laughs> I said come to the front. Yes, sir. My mind just works like that. You see, you would love the Bible if you would find comedy in it. Some of y'all don't like the Bible because you don't, you don't believe it's real people, like real people. I just imagine his first sermon when he got up and he was like, now, I want you all to come to the altar, and they just, they ran. They're, yes, but whatever you say, Saul, Paul, Saul, Paul. Talk about the fear of God coming into him. I love our church. This is really my heart today. Let me, let me give you this. I love our church. I love what God is doing in our church. And I want to tell you that nobody knows the problems in a church like the pastor, but it's totally okay. Because the Lord has been speaking to me about potential of problems being an incredible backstory for the future revival that God is going to build at AFC. I have been praying recently, God, should we not have trouble to grow the church? And the Lord said, no, you need trouble. And I got really confused because I thought I was supposed to go put out all the fires to make sure that we had revival. And the Lord this week spoke to me and said, I'm going to use every problem to prove to the world that I can fix them. So when you've, you've been pastor for a few years, it takes a little bit of time for people to build trust in you and when they finally do build trust in you, sometimes they'll start to come to you about problems they're having or problems they're having with somebody else in church. They ask advice or they don't know what to do. Potentially someone is allegedly living a life that's not right and they don't know exactly what to do. So you hear things, and I know things. I know things that happen in a church. I I know the truth about things that happen in the church. I know both sides of the story because I look into it. But I want to say that even with that, I love where we are right now and i haven't always loved where we are i didn't love where we are 3 weeks ago but i love where we are today and here's why because i have a fresh revelation that god wants to use every problem that ever comes up in our church so that we can show the world we know how to fix problems i confess today that we got a little bit of drama like all churches But we got some really honest drama. Just sometimes it's just some ignorant stuff that happens. Don't mean it. It just happens. It's not vindictive. It's not trying to attack. It's not trying to hurt somebody. It's just flesh. It's just dumb decisions. It happens. It hurts people. And we got to get up. We got to make it right. We got to apologize. It's not evil. There's no evil at AFC as far as I know. There's nothing demonic that's happening. There's no demonic undercurrent that we're causing. Of course, the enemy's trying to, to stop us. I agree with that. It's simply honest mistakes, miscommunications, something that happened years ago and it's festered up for a while and built up. And that's part of having a church and a church family. We're close to each other. It's going to happen. And it's happening throughout the church. It will always happen. But when I pray about it, I feel something in my spirit say, I'm going to use this, I'm going to use this, I'm going to use this. Fear not. Watch me work it out. Watch me make you stronger. Watch me bring everybody together. Watch the friendships grow. Watch the unity come. When I pray about this, I feel God say, don't you worry about it one bit. Because until our church, until the church can learn how to problem solve, we will never have a revival. I don't know who's going to be with my wife and I when we have this great outpouring. But I do know, thank you. Okay, a few of you all already voting, voting on it. A few people, that's not why I did it, but I do know this. Whoever's going to be left after we figure it all out, we're going to be very tight. We're going to be very close. And it's going to happen at AFC. But here's how it's going to happen. It's going to happen with people who get our spirit of openness, get our spirit that wants revival, our spirit of problem solving. And that's one thing I've been praying about. God, I want to be able to work out problems. And I want to be able to restore situations. Because if I can't do it and you can't do it, what are we going to tell the world when they come in on Easter Sunday? And contrary to popular belief, people may not think it matters, but people are still spiritual beings and they can feel things. And that's why some folks come in church and go, I just feel like the Lord is here. And that's why you go to some churches and go, I just don't know what I feel. Because you can feel things. So we've had, we've had people come over the years to AFC and they tell us they love our church and that they fit perfectly here. And we're thankful for that. We believe that God definitely does that. And we've also had some say, you know, I think I need to move on from AFC. We understand that also. That is completely normal. That happens to every church. Some definitely need to go. Some need to stay and work it out. But here's what hurts me the most, and this is what I prayed most about this this new thing that we're, I'm dealing with, and that's people coming and people going. No one should be able to make things right like Christian people. Nobody. Hands down, bottom line, nobody should be able to fix stuff like people who are full of the Holy Ghost. Does anybody believe that in this place today? Nobody should be able to fix problems like somebody who's praying and fasting that has the flesh dying, that's filled with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That should be the will of God for every single Christian. That means me too, of course. So I don't like the whole find a church that fits me. Really, if you and I have the same Holy Ghost and live by the same Bible, then we're going to fit together just fine. I just don't know if this church is for me. The question is, I don't know if I'm for this church. I'm talking me. I've got to be for the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't have to be for me, I have to be for it. And if we will all be for the kingdom, if we will all be for the same kingdom, we will all be for each other. The problem is when one of us doesn't have the same Holy Ghost or live by the same Bible. Now we got ourselves a mess at AFC. Because if I got more Holy Ghost than you, then I'm going to be trying to do things right and you're going to be mad at me. If you don't believe the Bible and I do, we're going to have a problem or vice versa. If you're living by the Word of God and I don't know the Scripture, we're going to have ourselves a battle. Because if we're not in the unity of the Spirit and the unity of the Word, we will not have healing in our church. So the reason why things don't fit is because we don't all submit to the same Word and the same Spirit. Y'all, the Bible tells us what to do when we have a problem, and I can't change it, and you can't change it. If you're offended, you go to the person. You don't quit church. You go to the person first. You preach what you want to preach. You leave if you want to leave. I'm going to preach the word. You do what you want to do. But when you're mad about something, you work it out first. Then you go. Why? Because the world needs to see a church that works stuff out. And if we can't be that church, what are we doing? That's why we have to prioritize our health between me and you and you and each other. Because if we can't be right and holy and we can't love each other, then there's no way people will know that we're the disciples of Jesus if we don't love each other. If we would fit in the Spirit and fit into the Bible, we would fit just fine in the church. Let's be spiritual. Let's know the word and we'll fit. But when we have a mess, (laughs) it makes a pretty incredible backstory, doesn't it? Not like a good drama that ends well. Old Timmy fell inside the well. Lassie came and saved his life. If there wasn't no Timmy in the well, there'd be no story of Lassie. He'd just be a dumb dog on the front porch. Who cares about that dumb dolphin that didn't ever save nobody's life, flipper? Who cares? There has to be something go wrong before things can look good. Y'all catching my spirit today? I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. The Holy Ghost has me here just staying, hovering right here. Listen to me. I can't wait in five years to tell people what we went through. They're going to be looking at, like, probably a new building or probably 300 people. They're going to be like, wow, Pastor Green, this is amazing. I'm like, hey, it wasn't always amazing. (laughs) See, me and that person, we used to fight. Me and them, Woo, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to point over there, Sister Caroline. That was an accident. I didn't even see you over there, Sister, wearing red again. My Lord. Some people. I can't wait in five years from now. Whenever we look back at what we did at AFC, and people start clapping their hands saying, Wow, what a church was built. And I say, But you don't know the backstory. I'm gonna tell them it hadn't been easy. I'm gonna tell them, you know what? There were some battles, and there were some fights, and some folks got mad, but God blessed it, and God worked, and we forgave, and we loved. I can't wait to build another building one day. We got 400 people here and we'd be like, but you don't understand the way it was back in 2022. You don't even know what it was like back in those days. We didn't even know what was happening in those days. Had it not been for Jesus to save us and give us mercy when we were ignorant and made mistakes. I'll be like, yeah, we just came out of COVID. There were some tough times. Folks were hurting bad. But somehow, by the mercies of God, we rallied in revival and we loved each other through the storm. And let me tell you who will not like AFC as we go forward. People who like to bury the backstory and just move on. Come on, move on. No, move on. You won't like this church. Because this church is not called to cover and hide things up. You might want to look into another church where everybody just looks pretty and just has dead church and just like, oh. But the anointing flows through openness. The anointing, the foot you feel right now, this openness. uh, God wants to break into this house right now and give somebody the Holy Ghost. Uh, We want openness, uh, transparency like the Apostle Paul. (laughs) That we haven't all done it all right, but by the mercy of God, he gets the glory and the credit for everything. Can we stop hiding and covering up our backstories? I refuse to hide my battles from a world that is doubting the validity of Jesus Christ. I want to tell them what I've been through so that they'll believe again. Before I I wrap it up, I just want to say something real quick. I want to say I'm thankful that our children are not completely sheltered from drama. I want my daughters to learn how to say I'm sorry to my brothers and my sisters. We're all trying to protect our kids all the time, and the truth is these these kind of issues and drama that happen in our lives can be wonderful learning experiences for our children. And I want my kids to watch me as the pastor sometimes say, I'm sorry I was wrong. Not everything happening in the kingdom is going to destroy us but it's an opportunity for God to work and build his church. And so I want our kids to know you're going to see things sometimes, hear things sometimes, and us adults, sometimes we don't always play Monopoly together. I don't know how to say it like a kid's pastor, but sometimes we fall down and Twister. okay? Sometimes the stuffed animal pops. I'm trying to find a way to say it, but I want the kids to know That when you're a part of a church family, it's like a family. And sometimes there's disagreements and sometimes things happen. But listen, this is what you're going to learn at AFC. You're going to learn how to apologize, humble yourself, confess your faults, love each other again. And we're going to protect our kids from abuse by teaching them how to respond to pain. I don't ever want to teach my kids to run from their problems. In our home, if I ever find out that my kids are offended at anything, we will tell them we're having a meeting and you're going to get things right right now. You are not going to hold that in. That's what we're going to do from now on. We're going to make sure that we teach our family and our family does it the right way, that we say we don't hold stuff in in our family. We have the meeting, we have the prayer, we go to fasting. But let's teach our kids because they are kids that are going to be so powerful in the last days. Hey, as long as the Lord doesn't come back, our kids are on the front lines of the fight. Y'all realize here in a few years, our children are going to be on the front lines of a very messed up nation. Having to grow churches, pastor churches, and do music for churches. And our kids will be used by God. But we've got to show them how how to deal with problems. And if we never have any, they'll never know. They can't carry the weight of it because one day they'll just leave. They'll, they'll leave. They'll leave church. Y'all, problems happen in church, and our kids have got to see us work it out. I want them to know that church is not a place where no one hurts each other, but church is a place where we can get things right. We fix things in church. I've got to close. I don't have time today, but the Lord wanted me to share my testimony. I'll do that sometime. It will take a long time, but I do want to share it. Because I thought because I wasn't hooked on drugs and didn't do some things other people did that I don't have a great testimony. But when I begin to think about what God has done for me and how many which ways I could have gone, I can't help but confess that the Lord, the Lord has saved me and given me mercy. In my greatest years of ignorance, I haven't always been up here preaching. I've had some very tough times, dark times, that God had to give me mercy. And I want to share that one day, but I can't today but I just wanted that spirit to get in our church right now that we've got backstories and it's okay and I'm not afraid one bit of any of you and your drama and your pain and what you're going through. I'm not scared one bit of what you're facing because God is going to use it and people will believe again and your family and backslidden friends are going to believe again and they're going to come fill this church up. You know why? Because you're going to go tell them that your church is a safe place where things are worked on, things are healed, things are fixed. There is no place, no place in the world I'd rather be than in the church. Because we have the answers for everything that goes wrong. We have the answers for everything that goes wrong. You might have come from a house that's dysfunctional, but not in this house. In your house, you may hold grudges and fight for 10 years, and you throw turkey at each other at Thanksgiving, but we're not doing that at our house. At this house, we're going to bow a knee. At this house, we're going to be submitted to each other. At this house, we're going to forgive each other. At this house, we're going to talk and have coffee, and we're going to work it out. Because, because this is the church of change. Nobody can change like Christians. Nobody can die on a cross like us. Nobody can forgive like we can. God, help us resurrect the backstory and help us get more backstories so that we can have a testimony for the world.